I want to know why you're here and why you're teaching this class. And then that's that's where you see someone's passion and drive, and that's why you would follow them and connect to them. Hello, 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 yogis, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Dharma Talk. I'm your host, Henry Winslow, and this is episode number 36. I'm going to keep the intro relatively short and sweet this week because, frankly, I'm pretty tired. I just got out of a five-day training intensive with Rose Aaron Vaughn, who is amazing. And if you're not familiar with her, please go back to episode number two, one of the first three episodes I launched this show with, to hear about her and everything that she's all about. This week, I am talking to Jake Paul White. I've got nothing but good things to say about this guy. Jake lives at this very interesting cross-section between yoga and branding or graphic design. If you haven't seen him online, go check out his stuff. He's a visual artist and a very talented one at that. Does a lot of work with logo design and branding. But he also is a yoga teacher with a very impressive physical practice and a very interesting background story, all of which we're going to talk about in this episode of Dharma Talk. So when you tune into this conversation, you can expect to hear how in Jake's world, yoga has become a vehicle for design and how design has become a vehicle for the yoga. Jake also shares three key points to establishing your identity as a yoga teacher and how to attract loyal students who stick around. We talk about the untold dark side of the traveling yoga teacher's nomadic lifestyle. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, folks, sadly. And what pushed Jake to drop everything and move to an ashram? Lastly, we talk about this concept of lifestyle design, something that he was forced to think about and how you have an opportunity to reset and rebalance with Jake in Bali. So all very exciting stuff. Can't wait for you to check out this episode, this conversation with Jake. Just stick around through these announcements and we'll dive into this interview with Jake Paul White. Yogis, as we round out 2018, I have a jam-packed calendar and I hope that you can join me for some of these events. The first one coming up is Sunday, November 11th from 12 to 2 p.m. I'm teaching a donation-based vinyasa yin masterclass at Lighthouse Yoga School. It's called Gratitude Practice because that's what I have for you. This is a donation class where proceeds will help pay for me to travel to China to compete in the IYSF World Championships of Asana. So come out for that, and if you'd like to support from afar, you can also donate on my website. I've also got workshops coming up in NYC, Richmond, Virginia, and Costa Mesa, California. So details and signups are available all on henrywins.com slash events. At Lighthouse Yoga School in Brooklyn, New York, we are currently enrolling our next 200-hour teacher training for January 2019. So yoga teachers looking to level up your teaching, aspiring yoga teachers who want to do your first training, or yoga students who just want to take their practice a little bit deeper, 
You can get more information about that also at henrywins.com events. And if you apply now using my referral code, henrywins, you'll save $100 on your tuition. There's no fee to apply, so go ahead, put your application in, drop the referral code, and lock in $100 off. What's your purpose? What's your vision? What mark will you leave on this planet long after you're gone? I'm Henry Winslow, and you're listening to Dharma Talk, the only podcast where I interview inspirational yogis on how they're changing the world in their own unique ways. Whether you're still searching for your purpose or already walking the path, I hope these stories get you excited to live your dharma. Hello, Dharma Talk community, and welcome back to another episode. This week, I'm interviewing Jake Paul White. Jake is a designer and a yogi, and he's here to help high-vibe entrepreneurs elevate their brand and share their passion with the world. And he's doing that in lots of ways. We're going to dig into all of that. But first of all, Jake, how are you doing? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm doing really well, thank you, and excited to talk with you and talk with your community. Yeah, we were just chatting before the the recording turned on, and Jake's coming from UK right now, but he's a world-traveling yoga teacher and photographer, and pretty soon, it turns out we're both going to wind up in DC at the same time, which is super cool. I love to meet um, these people that I know from the online community and meet them in person, it's always such a pleasure to to bring relationships up to that next level like that. So really excited for that. Jake, I always start these interviews the exact same way. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests, which is this. What does the word dharma mean to you? And what is your dharma as you understand it today? It's a great first question. So for me, dharma really means to... I guess follow your passion and then generally I find when we find this strong sense of passion because it's a word that gets thrown around a lot these days it's really I see passion as this this combination of finding uh, a purpose within some sort of craft or action that aligns with your morals so there's a moral connection and alignment with um, a sense of purpose and I think if you develop your skill set within that, it just naturally becomes um, a passion because you are servicing the world in some way that connects to your morals. Um, so for me, that's how I see, you know, that's how I feel. That's what Dharma means to me. And then my Dharma, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of crafts and skills as I've grown up and Every time I learn a skill, I want to share it. And these days, the skill set that I'm teaching people is how to build this brand identity through uh, design, photography, and so on to help people share their passion with the world. So, you know, that's what really kind of lights me up is, you know, I either get people coming to me with too many ideas or um, don't even have an idea and it's I, I love to work pe- work with people side by side to uh, draw out that concept or that passion and you know attach it to a visual identity so then they can go out there and I guess really kind of inject a sense of confidence in what they already are doing and allowing them to then share it 
Awesome. You know what I really liked at the beginning of that, um, that explanation is you said, when you have moral values, you've got a purpose and you've got a skill set, those three things come together and automatically create a passion for you. I think that's such a cool way to think about it. And I can tell, I mean, the passion just exudes from the way that you talk about your work. You also said that, you know, the thing that really lights you up is to help other people. That's your way of, of um, being of service is to help other people create their vision for their brand. And I said in the intro, you work with high vibe entrepreneurs. What does that mean? Who is the kind of ideal person that you like to work with and who are you best capable of serving? Sure. Um, so the, the term high vibe entrepreneur, I've always struggled to uh, key term the people that I want to work with. And that's something that I came up with and, the idea behind it is, is I want to work with people and companies that at the foundation of their mission or the foundation of their purpose is to help humanity or help the planet. So as a yoga teacher, um, a large part of my audience or clientele is yoga teachers because that's who I'm attracting because I feel that I speak the same language. But if we expand beyond the yoga teacher and then we go into like yoga studios and then we go into maybe uh, health products or um, companies that are helping the ocean or the forests or, you know, doing something that really um, is starting to support or give back to the planet or humanity. And also working with people that are committed to this mission long term, you know, instead of working with a business that maybe you know is producing you know a, a plastic shoe but they they you know they do it purely for advertisement purposes that only the run only last one year you know I want to work with people that are committed to a hundred year plan you know and that's that's a real um, insight to show that they are willing you know they're in in for it for the long term and they're in for it for the right reasons and you know, that's, that's what it means to me. You know, I, I really want to work with people that, yeah, that have that foundation at the bottom of their business that they want to help people. And then everything above that foundation is just extra. Yeah. And I'm sure there are quite a f number of, you know, prospects out there that theoretically you could work with that are just grabbing onto a trend. I mean, yoga itself is a multi-billion dollar industry and, you don't have to look too far to see companies that are just, they've got a very thin veil over, you know, a, just a money grabbing mindset. So it takes, um, I think it takes being in the industry and not just the industry, but in the practice itself to be able to see what's true, what's authentic, what's genuine. Um, so for that reason, I, I'm curious, Jake, what is your practice look like? What does your personal yoga practice um, look like and how has it supported you with everything that you're doing in the branding and photography space? My uh, yoga practice is continuously evolving. I'm always someone that is exploring new ideas, new ways, and I'm definitely someone who loves uh, self-exploration through creativity and play. So to give you a general insight to my, let's say, morning practice right now is I'm combining podcasts, so we're in the perfect, perfect space right now, 
Uh, I combine a, a podcast that kind of inspires me generally in the world of entrepreneurship. Right now, I'm really loving um, How I Built This, which basically talks about how these large companies came to build the company. And for me, just to hear the ups and downs and the stories is just so uplifting um, and so emotionally driven that it just gives me this great sense of inspiration in the morning. So I have that in my headphones. I have, I have my phone in my pocket. Um, I have on airplane mode so I get no no messages or anything like that. So I can focus on you know focus on the podcast. And then I'm moving, and the movement is quite free in a sense. But also I have these this structure of basically just warming up the joints um, and creating stability in the body. Um, so long holds and um, wave-like movements. <laughs> I'm. Uh, and then I'm kind of continuously just just thinking about how I can uh, awaken the body and just feel empowered and fired up for the rest of the day. Um, I like a, a practice that isn't um, over physical and over stimulating because I feel that um, tires me over the the uh, throughout the day before my work. So my morning practice is very gentle, yeah, and very awakening. And then generally I'll, I'll have a more physical and strength-based practice when it comes to the evening, which might um, involve inversions and, you know, all the traditional push-ups and pull-ups to create what I feel is like a very strong um, masculine practice that makes me feel, feel you know, strong and empowered. Um, and that's kind of my two, my two pieces of, of my practice. So the morning one is kind of this way of awakening the body and bringing this sense of inspiration. And then the evening one is to give a, a greater sense of structure and strength. Mm -hmm. um, it's cool that, to hear you talk about the intention behind your practice. You know, they have very, you've delineated these two sessions um, into very clear ideas about what you want to get out of them. And also, I just want to say, I listened to that podcast too, How I Built This with Guy Raz. That's, a, that's an NPR podcast. And for anyone who's listening who likes to hear entrepreneurial stories, yes, they're very emotional and super inspiring. So I can see how it makes sense to fold that into a morning routine if your goal for your practice in the morning is to give you energy. Um, so a pra physical practice combined with this emotional impression, emotional input, that's a powerful combination. I also see that, you know, on your Instagram posts and your social stuff that you do a lot of work with other people. You know, you've got photos of other yoga teachers, other movement artists. Do you ever practice with other people or do you generally consider your practice to be personal, more intimate and, and kept to yourself? Yeah, I guess I have. I'm definitely not a class goer. Um, I was at the very start of my yoga journey, like most people, um, you know, I really enjoyed that community aspect of, um, you know, arriving to a class and hopefully having the time afterwards to meet people and also to explore your own practice with other people around. I think that's, um, very inspiring. Um, but now my, like I said, yeah, my morning practice is very much my own, um, I'm very like internal and then I have 
you know, this beautiful community of teachers and movers that surround me that, you know, all these, all these images that you may see, all these people that I work with, most of the time we're moving in between that, you know, we will, you know, I think acro yoga is, um, a great way to, you know, play and have fun with like-minded people. Um, maybe it's like, I love like animal locomotion. You've probably seen people kind of crawling and rolling on the floor. Um, so all them kind of things are great. And I love bouncing ideas, uh, with other teachers, especially if it's, you know, sunny in a park and we can be outside and maybe there's some monkey bars or something like this. Um, Mm -hmm. That's that's very. I like the. I I feel sometimes these days I feel trapped by the the classroom. Maybe <laughs> I haven't entirely figured out why I feel this way. Um, but the any opportunities to be outdoors and and um, play with with other like minded people is, is is one of my favorite things to do. And yeah, you know I get to constantly combine these two passions of of movement and uh, creativity, photography, design. Um, so it's, you know, I feel very lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. You're ma- basically making the world your own playground. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think the best thing about taking a yoga class, once you have a competent practice, I mean, if you're a brand new beginner, you need to go there just to know what you're doing at all. But if you have a competent practice and you're capable of guiding yourself through your own practice the best part of going to class is to be integrated into a community and feel that sangha and be inspired by other people but it seems that you've worked out you know a a lifestyle design that allows you to be inspired nonetheless so it's working it's working for you that's cool so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the the branding and photography work and where when this moment was that you, you it really clicked that you could mesh these two passions of yours together yeah definitely so this is i guess one of my favorite stories and it's i love how the yoga became a vehicle for the design and the design became a vehicle for the yoga and they kind of bounced back and forth um it started at university i, I actually studied painting and printmaking so i come from a, a fine art background and that's why Everything that I do is embedded in creativity and concept. You know, that's something that's uh, heavily taught within the fine art world. Um, I left university knowing that I didn't want to do what I learned. I didn't want to be a painter. Um, as much as I loved the the process, the uh, it didn't allow me to travel, was kind of the underlying reason why I pushed back against it. I was like, uh, as soon as I left, I was like, I want to travel. But I can't travel with a printing press and all these paints. So within a, a few days, maybe I even knew before this, but I always tell it that after a few days of leaving uni, I was like, I'm going to become a graphic designer. Like, it makes sense. I, I kind of knew um, the Adobe platform like Photoshop and Illustrator that I, I dabbled with throughout my painting and printmaking um, course, my university course. And I remember I made a fake portfolio with fake brands. Um, I taught myself everything within a few days and I built a website and put it online. Then I rang multiple different people. And then I remember typing in into Google graphic design sport, like just so vague. Top, top post or, you know, top thing. It said graphic designer needed for sports company. 
I was like, sweet. I clicked on it, sent in my invoice, sent in my uh, portfolio, and they rang me like hours later, and they loved what they saw, and they were like, when can you come in? I came in next day. This was in London, so it was a few hours, you know, a few hours to get out there. Can I interrupt you for a second um, and just ask a question? Yeah. Is it is yeah. it common practice to have a portfolio with with mock brands, or did you feel like you were doing something like deceptive? I wouldn't say it's common, and would I say at the time I wouldn't say I was doing it to deceive. I was doing it to show that I had the skill set, nonetheless. For like, sure, I, I I knew I could do what I could do, and this was the way to demonstrate that because I didn't have any other uh, portfolio or right. uh, educational ground to be like, hey, I did a graphic design course. It's like, I did painting, so now I need to prove myself. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's like a very entrepreneurial <laughs> kind of scrappy way to, to, to make do with what you've got. And yeah, you still demonstrate your skill set. But okay, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> so I turned up to the interview, we connected, they got, I got the job and they're like, when can you start? And I was like, maybe Monday <laughs> and they're like okay let's do Monday but this is like four days away and I didn't have a place in London again social media came came in to help and I you know I put it on I think I put it on Facebook at this time this was you know this was probably five years ago so and I was like I need a I need a place in London does anyone know anyone and uh, a friend of a friend was like oh my housemate is moving out today we, we were going to start looking for someone. Do you want to move in? It's like a small, tiny, like cupboard room. And I was like, yeah, I'm moving in. I moved in. I moved in on the day that I started my job. Um, so I moved in on Monday at like 6 a.m. And then started my job at 9 a.m. And then I was away. Like I was a full time. Plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, it's so much time. <laughs> um, so and then I was a designer for, you know, for a company. I learned many things along the way, like all the kind of standards, like standards, processes of uh, of working with other people, and um, I learned a lot. And they they allowed me the time to learn on the job. But soon after, um, I don't know how long it was. I think after six months, I felt like I learned everything that was needed. And then within a year, um, I left. And when I left, it was. It was the conversation was I am never doing a nine to five ever again. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. <clears throat> and I remember I remember I was waiting I was waiting for my dad. He was just coming to meet me and he was gonna be late. He was like an hour late. And I remember this it's called a travel it's a travel company, it's called SDA Travel. And it was right in front of my eyes when I was waiting for my dad at the at the train station or wherever I was. And I just walked in and I said, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna book a trip. And I, I said to the lady, I was like, I wanna go somewhere. And she's like, Where do you wanna go? I was like, Where's your favorite place? And she's like, I, <laughs> I really like Hong Kong. I was like, Okay, cool, I'll go there. And her eyes and her face when I said that, she was so nervous because she was like, No, 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 this is my favorite place. I don't know what you're gonna like, I don't know what you like. I was like, That's okay. Book it. Let's let's go. She's like, how long for? I was like, let's do let's do a year. And I was like, let's do like a, a trip. And I was like, I'll fly back from from Bali after figuring out a few things like how the map look. And so I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. 
so I had this year from Hong Kong to Bali that, you know, I, I zigzagged back and forth, met loads of people. And the next piece of the puzzle was I was in, I flew over to Thailand. And this is one of these moments in your life that you look back and you don't really know how it happened. And it's just, it's such a, a moment where I guess it's changed everything up until now, such a huge moment. And I was on the beach and I met this person, I met this guy and I told him my story similar to this, but at the end and was like, I'm lacking purpose, right? Like I've just left a job. I don't know really know why I left, but I left anyway. And I don't know what I'm doing. I've got a, know that I've got this background in extreme sports. Not that I've mentioned that, but I've, I've moved for a, a lot of my life through skiing, skateboarding, climbing, high wire, circus performance. So there's, there's all these pieces. Um, I love to move. I've always moved. Um, same as, same as my dad. That's kind of who I was inspired by. And he was like, join my yoga teacher training. He was like, you're going to be perfect. It starts in two days. And I was like, huh, yoga. It was Ashtanga. And I was like, I didn't know what Ashtanga was. Um, so <laughs> I was like, let's do it. Like I, I knew of yoga. Like I knew kind of, it makes you flexible and, um, there's some sort of meditation thing that goes on with it. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. So two days later I was in my teacher training and a very unconventional way of, of approaching it and not something that I would advise to other people. <laughs> um, but you know, <laughs> it's one of the things that unfolded for me and I wouldn't have had it any other way, you know? And I started my teacher training journey and the same as how I started when I finished. Um, well, actually there was a, a, a piece within this puzzle that's really important. It was the second or third day and I remember coming into a, a wheel. I don't know if I've ever done a wheel before. Um, and I remember I got like an assist and I ripped my shoulder and I couldn't lift my arm at all. It was, it was torn quite badly. And as much as that moment and the whole of the training was kind of, um, you know, I was upset through the entirety of it in a way, looking back, it allowed me to take on the role as a, as a teacher. I basically shadowed my teacher throughout the whole thing. And one thing I found with a teacher training is half the time, you're in a down dog, you know, half the time you're in your yoga practice. So that time you're only learning about practicing, not learning about teaching, but I couldn't practice. So I was learning how to teach, you know, I was shadowing, I was, I was learning how to assist, I was learning how to adjust, I was learning uh, people's bodies and movement and, and looking back, I think it was the best experience. And I took a lot away from that. And Two, two days later after my training, I got a call and someone wanted me to teach on this private island full-time. So after knowing yoga for 26 days, I became a full-time teacher. Wow. I was teaching three classes a day and it seems like like the rest of my life, I kind of just went all in. And it felt so natural and so perfect. Like I was just like, I, knew, I felt so confident. There was no, there was no doubt in how I was teaching, why I was teaching, where I was. It was just, it was fantastic. And I, I think without these kind of external influences of, oh, you shouldn't do this, you should do this. You know, I was on a private island by myself with no social media um, and just, just teaching what I knew. And to, to me and, you know, to anyone out there with doubt 
it's I always say to people, you always have something to share. You always have something to teach someone. You know, if you're six years old or 66 year, 60 years old, it's there's always a new insight, a, a new way of looking at something that your life will give to someone. And you know, I think you know, I think new yoga teachers these days get a bad rap, and especially in large cities, we get these new yoga teachers, and you know, they do their 200 hour teacher training, and then they become full time teachers in in studios and. Yeah, they might not know alignment and anatomy or they might not know this or not know that, but no matter what, they'll have something really beautiful to share because they've gone through their journey. And you don't turn up to a yoga class because of what they do. You turn up because of why they do it, right? So it's like, why are they on the mat? Why are they sharing their practice with you? And that's what brings people back because there's a million people teaching warrior one and warrior two. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. No one really cares. I want to know why you're here and why you're teaching this class. And then that's, that's where you see someone's passion and drive. And that's why you would follow them and connect to them. So just, yeah, just a little insight, um, something that I've learned and something that I've recognized. Yeah, that's so Um, true. I mean, we, at this point we live in an age where information is a commodity, you know, anybody can look up on Google, the answer to a factually based question. So it's like you said, teachers are not so much about disseminating information, but being a vehicle of sharing spirit. And that's what separates one teacher from another in a city or a world where yoga teachers or any kind of teacher, whatever is, is a dime a dozen. You're so right about that. And yes, you got to know your material. You got to, you got to have the knowledge underneath that, but that's not enough anymore. You know, it's not about do you know warrior one warrior two do you know the ashtanga primary series it's how do you deliver it yes yeah exactly and um you know that's something that i'm continuously looking for with teachers or companions or colleagues or all these kind of things it's you've got to find people that believe in your mission to believe in your why or or it aligns with theirs and when when these things collide there's this this explosion of of connection and passion and it it just is such a strong bond and Mm -hmm. like any moment you notice this it's like grab hold of it keep it and 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 harness it and also be aware that it will change and evolve and grow and separate or come closer together whatever that may be but that that moment is so beautiful and is you should definitely uh, take hold um well, it seems like a natural segue to start talking a little bit about um, about the idea of branding and and identity as a yoga teacher or a high vibe entrepreneur. Can mm. you share some maybe some tips for the teachers listening who don't really know where to begin with figuring out how they want to show up and be unique in the space? Mm. Yeah, that's exactly. I guess that first point that we just mentioned is why are you doing what you do. That's number one. And I think as yoga teachers, most of the time, this is a really easy question. And we know exactly why we're here. You know, we had a trauma or we had an injury or we had, you know, there's always something that leads us to yoga generally. Um, and then that kind of becomes your your guiding light and why people come to you. And this is the piece that you have to harness. And one of the main flaws that I see when people are trying to attract an audience is they go way too broad, you know, and I I get it because yoga is all inclusive. 
you know, everyone can come to yoga, it's for everyone, and totally get it, and I totally agree. But as a human, and as uh, a business owner now, you're a business owner, you have to refine this target audience, this dream customer, uh, with confidence, knowing that even though you're targeting an individual, there'll be a grand, large amount of people attracted to you, because what you're oozing is confidence. Targeting an individual, because you know exactly who you want to talk to, will be attractive to a larger audience. So, for an example, I'll use me as an example. So, right now in my teaching, what I'm really passionate about is this conversation between your vinyasa practice and an advanced strength-based handstand movement practice. There's this, this lack of information where you go from, oh, if I turn up to a vinyasa class five times a week, I can then do these tricks. I call them tricks because, you know, that's kind of what they are. Um, yeah, totally. I want to do these tricks. <laughs> I want to do these tricks that the guy is teaching me. And it's like, it's not going to happen if you keep going to these vinyasa classes because you potentially are, you're able to kick up once to five times in your class, you know, maybe more dependent, but this is never really a condensed period of time where you're doing physical movement that's specifically designed to allow you to build strength and stability to do these more advanced postures. That's what I saw as uh, my target, target and something I'm really passionate about. So that's who I'm targeting. You know, I'm targeting the person who has, you know, done a yoga practice, realized that maybe there's some flaws and they're not getting the, um, the progression that they wanted and the shapes that they want to make. And I want to come in as, you know, very much a, a teacher that loves to teach the physical practice of yoga and movement and show them the stepping stones and the progressions to allow them to have a more advanced physical shape-based yoga practice, you know, very much separate to, you know, the grand scheme of what yoga really is. Um, and because I target that, you know, I, I attract a certain audience, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I can't attract a huge audience outside of that. Um, so that's, that's my advice. As much as, as much as we want to be really all inclusive, understand your mission, your why, why you're here. Um, what drip, what drove you to start yoga? Because, because that's why everyone else will be attracted to you. Like that, they'll understand your journey and your mission and theirs will align with yours. And then they'll want to be a part of that because you'll be inspiring to them. Cool. Yeah. So know your why and then narrow your audience down to a smaller target. And then I'll add one thing onto there that I noticed kind of from your personal example is that you narrowed your target based on a gap that you saw. You know, there's like these people want to do all the fancy tricks, the handstand poses, but the current classes out there that they're going to to get there don't don't um, take them through the steps. So you're like, okay, let me provide that solution for you. And I think that's a cool way to figure out how you can insert yourself in a unique way. Exactly. And there's, you know, there's so many opportunities because you know you you are an individual you are unique and you're always going to bring something special and something different to the yoga practice and I think we all know deep down what that is it's just about harnessing and bringing that out yeah so Jake can you take us back to a moment where maybe you know you 
you told the story of how everything sort of clicked into place and you just, you said yes to one opportunity after another and you found yourself in a private island teaching yoga and all life is grand. But I'm, I'm confident that it hasn't always been such a, a positive trajectory. Can you take us back to a moment where you really struggled and how did you deal with that to take it forward? Yeah, the... The, the life of a traveler always seems so, so grand and beautiful, but there's, you know, I always say to people when, you know, as a, a life of a traveler, it's kind of like there's these, these two people and you're, you're by the, you know, you're by a swimming pool and one person is, is, is thrown into the pool and then they're like thrown and, you know, and then you throw like the instruction manual of how to swim. And you have to like maintain like buoyancy to read the manual and the learning curve is so quick. Um, but then there's the guy on the sun lounger that has, you know, the, the manual on the side and he can learn how to swim whenever. And he's, you know, he's got a cocktail and he just takes it easy and uh, takes it slow. And that's the thing with travel, like the, the highs are high and the, the lows are low. And it really, uh, I guess exposes uh, weaknesses and there's there's definitely some moments of I you know I remember times where I would be walking around aimlessly um, with nothing to do and I, I just felt it's so difficult to be connected to people so lost and and empty through these these moments of travel and I think for me, I just, I, because I know the power of stepping outside of my comfort zone, I'm, I'm willing to go through these, these extended periods of time of feeling, feeling lost and discomfort and, um, a lack of, a lack of purpose and, and drive. And these kind of come, I remember when I was traveling first, these always were coming like ebbs and flows and, you just had to fight through it because there would always be a, a a person or an opportunity that would eventually arise. And, you know, like I said, that high would be so much higher. Mm-hmm. Um, was was I, the the struggle there really just like a feeling of disconnectedness or loneliness or, or what was it? Yeah, both of them. I think it's you're so, so separated. And at this time, the social media game was non-existent for me at least um and it wasn't a time of putting locations in google maps like oh top 10 places to have a coffee or you know or something like this it was it was basically phoneless most of the time and just just sometimes it's so difficult to put yourself out there to meet new people and there's long periods of time of no, no human interaction. This, this big separation of connection and um, great sense of just wanting to give up. I guess, like uh, you know, the I guess the throw in the towel is go home. You know, I'll go home. But yeah. you know, there's always this this push for me to continue because every time I did, something eventually came and it was it was so worth it. Um, yeah, and moving on from that, I remember when I started teaching full time. I, you know, I, I separated myself from the design world and was like, I'm all in with teaching. And I did what a lot of people do and went to, you know, from one class to ten classes to fifteen to twenty five a week. Ooh, and at twenty five, 
yeah, I was teaching one day. I remember I, I was teach one day of that week. I was teaching eight classes, which is it's just insane. Like it's just crazy. And I did this for about a year, and it all just came crashing down. Like it was just felt so empty, so pointless, just like so robotic. I was getting obviously I was not practicing at all, um, just because through demoing and traveling, it was the body was not excited about moving whatsoever yeah um, and it just it, it felt very empty and you know I think all of us are always find looking for this this balance like oh I want more free time oh, I want to teach more I want to travel more I want you know a better a diet I want more time for this and that for me was just like <laughs> everything it was just teaching yoga like everything else disappeared and I you know I seem to always do this when I find something that I love I'm I'm all in and I remember at the end of that year, I quit everything, folded it all, and then moved to an ashram. You know, again, one extreme to another extreme. And I feel as I grow up, them extremes again, uh, less extreme. But at this time, it was like, okay, from everything to nothing. And it was then time to um, give myself time to look after myself and, and, and learn again um, because I just felt like, I was just giving, 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 and I had no opportunity to, to give back to myself. How long did you stay at the ashram? The ashram was three months. Wow. Yeah, three months. Uh, you know, uh, just a standard. You know, every every morning was meditation hour, and then an hour of yoga, and then eight hours of karma yoga, and then um, normally meditation. No, normally um, kirtan. Um, after dinner and then meditation in the evening. And that was, that was the structure, you know, it was just every single day was supporting a community, giving back to that community and also the community giving back to you, you know, we were just like this kind of this organism and, um, that will always be, uh, you know, kind of rich in my heart. And it was a, a stepping stone again to where I am today. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's such a, a tremendous reset to be able to go there, especially after completely burning yourself out teaching 25 classes a week. I mean, that is, that's crazy. 25 classes a week. Um, yeah. How can you, how can you bring joy and, and creativity to those classes when you're just moving from one to another? I think it's, you know, the way you described it as robotic that really hit home. Yeah. I can, I can feel that, you know, um, so presumably, you know, after the ashram and a little bit of time for self-reflection, introspection, you came out of that with a better sense of how you could show up in a way that not only contributed to the people that you wanted to teach, but also fed your own soul. And yeah, this, yeah, what happened this next? Was an this was an interesting piece. Um, this is where Instagram came in for me and I, I met this wonderful person that in, inspired me and showed me Instagram. And I remember her saying that she loved my drawings. And she's like, I love your drawings. That's so cool. And I was drawing these like uh, geometrical shapes, um, you know, like um, mandala kind of things, squares, triangles, whatever, you know, like kind of just cool, cool different shapes. And I, I loved it. And so you should put them on Instagram. I, was, I, I really like, I was one of them guys that always pushed back against social media. I was not really on Facebook that much. It was just like a thing that I had. 
because everyone had it. And I started, I started posting some drawings and also started posting um, my handstand journey uh, and yoga journey. But like handstands was something that I was practicing and uh, I wanted to continue to share that. And I remember someone reaching out to me and saying, can you turn that drawing into a logo? And I was like, yeah, I could probably do that. Like, you know, I, I, had, some, I had some design. I've never done a logo specifically, but I definitely uh, had the skills to do it. So after like a quick Google and a quick YouTube, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I kind of got the idea of this. And I kind of Googled how much I should charge for a logo as someone, you know, like, beginner logo prices or whatever that may have been at the time. And I don't know how many followers I had at this time, maybe a few hundred. And I did this logo for her and I loved it. And still to the day, why I love building logos is there's this a couple of elements is someone comes with all these ideas and passion at the start of their journey because it's like the logo a lot of the time is like the Kickstarter to start a new business, a new brand. It's like logo. I've got to have a logo first. So they come to me in this honeymoon period of like being swept up with all these beautiful ideas and wanting to like start this business and they throw all these ideas at me and then I have to change all these ideas into like a couple of shapes. And it's like, how can I add meaning and concept and purpose to a few shapes? You know, it's basically like a triangle, a square and a circle. And I like move them around until we get this this logo that represents them and their business and I did it and I loved it absolutely loved it and I got great feedback I posted it on Facebook and I got like five more logo design jobs within a month you know and at that time it was crazy I was like cool I can maybe like continue to travel with this and uh, I did I just you know I, I kept doing these logo designs I kept posting them I I became more and more excited by the the idea of it, um, and then then that was the start of this back and forth, this back and forth between yoga and design. You know, I would do a logo design for a, a yoga teacher, and then they would invite me to come and teach one of the classes on their teacher training, mm-hmm. or I would do it. You know, I would be at a workshop, and I would teach the workshop, and someone would say. Maybe the studio would be like, hey, we know you do logo design. We would love a new logo for our studio. Um, and you know, all the way to right now, it's like it's the, like the complete thing. So like sometimes I'll do logo design, branding, colors, fonts, communication, website design, photography, um, you know, interior studio design. To then after that's all done, I come in and teach a weekend of workshops. You know, so it's like Full I get this, this huge. Yeah, it's just this like full experience where I get to be this huge part of, uh, you know, a, a startup business or a studio. And it's just so enriching to be to have such a, a large influence on on a person's business, but a person's life. And um, and then, you know, all these kind of pieces and kind of get taught through my my yoga teaching as well. Yeah, and to, um, so that's, to that's, influence the business in that many ways and also to have so much control over the various touch points of the experience of the student who comes to the studio too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really special, really unique and something that I'm really excited to continue to grow and develop and you know, I'm continuously adding more and more skills 
to, you know, I, I think the, the beautiful thing about having all these different skill sets, you know, maybe I won't be the best at all of them, but there's this, this beautiful consistency across all the work that I do um, that I can offer all, you know, in, in one package that allows me to have this really strong bond with that person. So instead of like employing four different people and we have to communicate between all of us, it's just a one-to-one communication. You know, most of the time I like to be in person or on the phone. So I really get to understand, um, you know, the person that I'm working with. And then, yeah, like you said, I get to share it in such a, a broad range um, from the experience of being in the studio, the experience of online experience before they turn up, how, you know, their tone of voice, uh, how they want to be perceived as a person or a, a business. And then I get to share, you know, my teachings within within the classes as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, it's really great. And totally cohesive. Yeah, it's super cool to for you to be able to to serve all those different roles in a way that makes sense. Yeah. So Jake, I know you've got a lot of um, exciting things on the horizon. Um, I believe there's a retreat, and I and you also have a resource that you that you are sharing currently with with yoga teachers. You want to explain a little bit about that and where people can find it? Yeah, I would love to. So I have um, a couple of retreats coming up, and they're all super special to me, uh, unique, and just a way one for me to share. The information, the two pieces of information that I love, bring them together, uh, but also to share that with um, friends um, that also bring so much um, information to these offerings. So I have a few retreats. You can find them, um, you know, on Instagram and on my website, jakepaulwhite.com. I have the online yogi which is um, a yoga retreat specifically designed for um, yogis who want to take their teaching online. So it's like, how do we create a setup to capture and document your teaching, how to act in front of camera, um, then how to build the online platform integrate into your website. Um, so I'm doing that with uh, Celeste Pereira and uh, Adele Bridges. Um, if you know them, um, so we're kind of coming together as a team. Then I've got one that I'm most excited about is it's going to be a free, free week retreat. Um, so it's called design your life and we're actually calling it a summer camp. So just to kind of separate it and it's three weeks of pulling, there's going to be like 10 teachers and we're going to be teaching you how to design uh, a life of being an entrepreneur, uh, a freelancer uh, within the wellness industry. So everything from um, integrating a wellness practice, you know, a movement practice, a meditation practice, how to them, there'll be workshops throughout the whole three weeks. Like you're going to build your website and leave with a website. You're going to have photography. Uh, you're going to leave with photography. We're going to figure out your brand identity and your mission and your why and everything possibly that you would need as a foundation for your business to then go out in the real world and, and, and share that. So it's like a, a super intensive three weeks of designing, designing your life. So it's, you know, these three weeks will be then the infrastructure for the rest of the year, the rest of your 10 years, you know, however long you want to pursue this and grow, um, to grow your business. Um, so super excited about that. That's in September in Bali. 
Um, again, you can find that out on my website or just drop me an email if you want more information. And then the PDF. So I'm doing a PDF. This is super cool. It's free to download. Um, it's uh, branding for yogis. And, you know, even though it's branding for yogis, it's really branding for everyone. But there's definitely uh, small pieces of information in there that are specifically directed to yogis. And, you know, what I've seen uh, working in this industry now for maybe five years. And again, on my website, on my Instagram, you'll be able to find it. Um, branding for Yogi's ebook. And this really goes uh, step by step and gives you like the five key points of how to build your brand. So it's like a, it's kind of like, it's about like planting the seeds. So it just kind of doesn't tell you how to do it necessarily, but it tells you what you need to do and where you can find the information and how you can go about starting to build your brand. So like how to have consistent photography and how to capture your practice and how to build a website, um, how to choose colors and fonts and the importance of a logo. So there's just like this broad array of little seeds to help you start to pull get together like a, a consistent brand. And of course, like that's just the, like kind of the foundation that, we, that all that information will be shared across um, the uh, Design Your Life retreat. And that's kind of really the idea. It's like I want to share everything that I know plus this team of wonderful people that are come, some are coming in to teach yoga, some of them are coming in to teach uh, positive uh, mental well-being with you know as you go through your you know entrepreneurship journey um, people will come in for website design people will come in to tell you like motivational stories from you know from their journey so it's just going to be this like huge array of people um, helping you um, kind of kickstart your business yeah um, right on yeah I think that's it I, I mean I love this idea of, of lifestyle design. Um, and I think it's so critical, especially for yoga teachers, because, you know, we went through your story of how it's very easy to slip down a path where you're no longer even maintaining a sustainable lifestyle for yourself. So it's not just about work, work, work. It's because ultimately the work suffers. So I love that you're creating that retreat. I think it's a brilliant concept for one. And I love how everything all fits together. Um, links to all of those resources will be in the show notes for this podcast episode. So if you're interested in downloading that PDF and learning about branding for your yoga teaching, you can get that there. Jake, now is the perfect time, uh, as far as I'm concerned, to move on to the final section of this interview, which I always call the prana round. In the prana round, <laughs> this is where I ask you six rapid fire questions ask you to answer minimum one word, maximum one sentence. Sound good? All right. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. In one word, why do you practice yoga? Exploration. What's your favorite yoga pose and why? Handstand. It's just continuous challenge and it brings up so much uh, opportunity for learning. What is the single best cue or general piece of advice that you've ever received from a teacher? Hug belly button up and in for everything. <laughs> Uriana Banda, right there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, recommend one book, modern or ancient, for our audience. The Alchemist, 
I like the confidence delivered with that answer. <laughs> okay, is yoga for everyone? Yoga is for everyone. It's such a diverse tool that we can take something from it for anyone's life. Yeah, cool. Okay, last question. How can our audience get in touch with you and how can we support you in your dharma? So jakepaulwhite.com is my website. That's everything branding, uh, design, retreats. Follow me on Instagram, jake underscore paul underscore white. You know, that's very much, again, everything combined. It's yoga, photography, it's, it's website building, it's, it's design, it's the ebook, it's the this, it's the that. You can, you can very much get anything on there. And I definitely the, you know, the, the design your life retreat is something new. It's something different. It's something that's really dear to my heart. So if you, there's a million things I can say about that and I could do a whole podcast on it. So if you want to know more, I would love you to reach out and we can set up a phone call. I can tell you all about it or I can send you an email. You know, I think it's something that needs to be explained and I think it's just going to be so, uh, such a powerful tool to really, really help people. And I want to get the word out about it. Jake, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing all of your expertise and being vulnerable with your stories with me today. I really appreciate it, and I know all the Dharma Talk listeners will too. So thank you so much. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode, if you like Dharma Talk and want to keep it going, please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. I know it's not the most convenient thing to do, but it makes all the difference in getting the show out there and more visible to other people who can benefit from it. And hey, if you've got feedback or ideas or you want to get in touch with me, you can do that on Instagram at Henry Wins. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week. And until then, keep living your dharma.